Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. If you would remain standing for the reading of our scripture lesson this morning, and I'm just giving you sort of a heads up, it's a little long, (laughs) and I will try to read quickly, but it is from Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Hear these words. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And so he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be proclaiming of He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. And then Paul stood in front of the Oropagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. And since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, we will hear you about this, again about this. And at that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysius, the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And you may be seated. 
It was a mouthful. <laughs> I want to take a moment. I mentioned this at the 9 o'clock service, but I want to be sure and mention it here that Rainy Hill, this is your last Sunday with us, and you were going off to college, and so we are very grateful for your gift of ministry, your beautiful voice that you share with us on Sundays, and so we wish you well. Blessings upon your backpack. It is good to see each of you as I have been gone um, for a couple weeks. I was here last Sunday, but I was out of town. And then I know for some, maybe it's your first time back in a long time. And so I do want to say welcome home. It's good to be together. Well, today we're going to be beginning a new sermon series. It's called Why? Why? And it's a sermon series that actually originated um, around a lot of conversations that I had um, over the course of this past year with folks from the church, with folks within the community, and even within my own family. People were and are asking deep life questions. After all, our world continues to throw us curveballs. Many have had significant life changes with jobs and family, early retirements, and some even making major moves to live in new places. Um, My son, he's 27, and he shared with me that his friend that he grew up with recently got married. He has a great job in Atlanta, and his family had moved to Florida a number of years ago. Well, he and his new wife just decided that they were going to up and move to Florida. They're still working in Atlanta, and they figured, well, they're working remotely, and when they need to be in person, they'll just drive up. They said they're gone, and they're gone. And I learned not long ago, well, it's been about a month now, I guess, that my own in-laws from Illinois, a lifetime in, in Illinois, are moving to West Cobb. <laughs> this is a good thing. This is a good thing. <laughs> I preface that by saying I have not lived near family for decades. And so there will be some adjusting too, but we are very excited, but they wanted to move here and we were surprised by it, but that's what's happened over the course of this past year. And they're not alone. They are not alone. Over this past year, many have reevaluated their lives, their priorities, and many have begun to ask questions about life and faith, and some have even begun to wonder about the significance of the church. And so I thought as a way for us of recentering to bring us back as we come back this fall to the core of who we are as people of faith and to engage and we're engaged, this is the word for this next coming month as we engage in the life of faith and the church, I want to address some of the questions that people have been asking. Questions such as, why do I need to go to church? You know, why do I need to worship? Why do I need to attend Sunday school? Why do I need to keep giving to the church? You know, why should I pray? Why is prayer important? Why, why read my Bible? And some, some have even been asking the question, why Jesus? Why Jesus? The, why, why, why? <laughs> the whys are endless. And I think, I think it's important for us to address these. Leader and author Simon Sinek, whom I've mentioned before and maybe you know about as business leaders, he has written extensively on the why. And he says that the why is the compelling and higher purpose 
that inspires us and acts as the source of all that we do. It inspires and acts as the source for all that we do. And so my hope is, is that over the course of these next nine weeks that we would begin this conversation and we may not have all the answers and we may not even be able to answer any of the questions adequately, but I think it's important for us to ask those questions, especially where we find ourselves today. We hear in the news the resurgence of the COVID numbers, the Delta variant, not to mention the mask controversy has resurfaced. Maybe it never left us. And we have once again added new language to our vocabulary, such as vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. And sadly, sadly, we continue to hear concerns about the United Methodist Church. We don't want, we don't want what we do here as a community of faith to be diminished and lessened somehow in any way by what's happening outside and outside circumstances. Because what we do here at Marietta First United Methodist Church is just too important. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, and we do not want that to get lost in any of the messaging that we are hearing. It's important. Our faith, our church, it's important because these are soul matters. They are soul matters. My hope is, is that if you have been feeling disconnected to the church, you're not alone. If you've been discon feeling disconnected from faith, again, you're not alone. If you have been feeling disconnected from God, I mean, I think we come here each Sunday hoping to feel some sort of a connection that maybe in the weeks ahead, in the weeks ahead, that we can in some way draw closer to the why of our life and by doing so, draw closer to one another and closer as a Christian community. I think that's important for us. And so today I want to begin this series with the first question is, why believe? Why believe? Why do we believe in anything? What is the importance of belief? And belief is really to trust that something is true. That's what belief is all about. And the best way, I think, to begin this conversation is obviously to take a look at Scripture, but to take a look at Paul in the book of Acts, because Paul encountered this with the churches, new, newly formed churches. We're asking the same kind of questions that I think that we're asking, and we want to see what Paul's response is and how they responded to help inform our own lives, because it matters what we believe. And so today we join Paul in the university town of Athens, and no, that's not bulldog territory, <laughs> but it is the territory of Socrates and Plato. It's the birthplace of Western thought, where intellectual curiosity and artistic ideas were at the center of community life. It was not uncommon to debate a new idea, a new philosophy, even a new religion, it's where altars and shrines were built to the pantheon of gods, such as Zeus and Athena and Mars. And what better place then to take on this city of idols than for Paul, the Apostle Paul, who himself was a strict Jew, an expert in the law and prophets, and in many ways an intellectual himself, but whose life was thrown a curveball when he encountered the resurrected Christ. 
Paul has come to Athens, having escaped from the danger of other cities, and he immediately, you know, he doesn't waste any time. He immediately goes to the synagogues, and he goes to the marketplace, and he shares the good news of Jesus Christ with the philosophers of the day. Now, these intellectuals, they are interested in what Paul has to say in his teaching, although it sounds a little strange to them, and it might sound strange to people even today. A man dies on a cross and is raised from the dead. Some are calling Paul a babbler, a bird brain, an empty talker, because he's not making sense. And Paul challenges these, boldly challenges these great thinkers, and he's dismayed when he gets into the city of Athens because he sees all their idols and the things that they are worshiping. And they spend their time talking about up-and-coming fads and the latest ideas always being discussed and the best way to live. And their time is spent doing nothing more than browsing the self-help aisles or listening to the New Age podcasts with fresh ideas about how to live your best life now. And it reminds me, really, of a, a recent trip that Ted and I took to an antique store. We like to go antiquing, if nothing else, just to, to look around, maybe find some odds and ends, find a, a good old book. And as we got into the store, there was a sign that you could purchase for your home. And it said, and it caught my attention, and it said, have a mind that is open to everything and attached to nothing. Have a mind that is open to everything and attached to nothing. To nothing. And so as I began walking around the store, that sign kept circulating in my mind, and I kept thinking, how is this possible? How, we all like to think that we have a mind that's open, maybe we have a mind that's open to some degree, but to everything? This doesn't seem possible. And attached to nothing. How can it not be attached to anything? Because if we are always so open to everything and attached to nothing, then really anything goes and we can believe anything, I suppose, and maybe we don't believe in anything then if we can believe everything. But the beauty about what Paul does in Athens is he doesn't attack the Athenians for what it is that they worship and what they believe. In fact, he meets them where they're at, and as people of faith, we often meet people where they're at. And instead, he, he acknowledges their desire to know God. And so he's brought before this council and he acknowledges their gods, and he essentially says, and he has great compassion, Paul. Athenians, I see how extremely religious that you are in every way, and I've looked around and seen your altars, those things you worship. And Paul knows exactly how to reach them, because then he says, I see that you have an altar to an unknown God, and what you worship is not known, but I am going to tell you about the God who is known. And that's all he needs, and the doors are open, and he begins talking about Jesus Christ. He talks about Jesus, who was made flesh, who died, and was resurrected. And Paul knows exactly what it is that he believes, and he is not hesitant to share it. And Paul is challenging the Athenians, and I think you know that he is, cha he is challenging each one of us as well. Now, I don't know that he's actually challenging us to go into the marketplace to begin proclaiming the good news, but I think he's challenging us about what it is that we believe. I mean, do we gather in the marketplace of our lives and at times maybe worship false idols? Are we swayed by the, the newest fad that comes around? Do we follow the crowds when it comes to truth? Or maybe sometimes we do allow the marketplace to draw us in and to divert our attention to false idols and gold and silver and stone. 
you know, to those things such as upward mobility, more focused on sometimes, aligning ourselves with the things that do not adhere to the scriptures. Sometimes that marketplace gets pretty busy, I imagine, and there are lots of goods being sold at cheap prices, and if we don't know what we believe, it's easy to purchase them. And maybe as we consider what it is that we believe, we might want to ask ourselves, are we like the Athenians in some way and surround ourselves with gods of stone that cannot give life, or do we live our lives as resurrection people? It's interesting, though, where you hear the word of God, and maybe you have encountered something like this. Ted and I, in our vacation, we went to the Art Institute of Chicago. I love, I love that place. It's one of my favorite art museums. And we were waiting out line, outside in line uh, before they opened up the doors. And as we did so, you know, we were talking, and some were on their phones. And then in comes a man, and he's on a wheelchair. And he wheels right in the center of where we are in line, and he begins to preach. And the first words out of his mouth are, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he begins to share the good news of Christ. He talks about Jesus. He talks about his ministry, his mission, how to live a life as a Christian. He talks about the passion, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, at first, we see him and we hear him, and we're like, you know, dumbstruck because what is he doing? And then, of course, after that initial look, we turn away and we continue doing what we're doing. But this man who's in this wheelchair continues the entire time for over 30 minutes. We're in line. He continues to share this story. And I am dumbfounded. And I look at him and I can't help as I'm looking at him wonder about his story. What prompted him to have the courage to be able to come and proclaim the good news at the art museum. And at one point as he was speaking, our eyes met. I didn't say anything to him, but it didn't bother him that I didn't say anything or nobody else said anything to him because he kept on speaking. The art museum opened up. We made our way into the aisles. And as we did so through those doors, I heard the echo of his voice. And I thought, I am sure that some here think he is nothing but a babbler, nothing but a burn bra bird brain, and just speaking with empty words. But there is something that is true, and that is that regardless, whatever he was saying, he believed, and you could tell with his whole heart that he was speaking from his heart and that he was speaking of that which he believed in. You know, what we believe matters. It matters. Because if we believe nothing, if we believe nothing, then we are easily swayed and we live our lives as if we are standing on sinking sand waiting to fall into the pit. If we don't know what it is that we believe, then it's hard to navigate the marketplace of ideas, of idols, and the illogical. It matters what we believe because it influences the, what we teach our children, our grandchildren, it informs our decisions. It dictates the way that we treat each other. It how we align our life with our priorities. And what we believe in the church literally is a matter of life and death. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. If you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. 
Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Believing matters. It matters. Every Sunday, we say what we believe in church, and we join together affirming our faith in a creed. It's often the Apostles' Creed, but sometimes it's the Creed of Canada. Sometimes it's the Korean Creed. Sometimes it's the Nicene Creed. It's part of our tradition. There's a story, and I'll end with this. There is a story about a young pastor who told his spiritual mentor, who told his spiritual mentor, thank you, (laughs) who told his spiritual mentor that he had some issues with some of the statements of the Nicene Creed. And his mentor said, recite it anyhow. And after a few days, the young pastor came back and said in good conscience that he could not claim to believe in everything that the creed said. And so his mentor said, well, recite it anyway. And he persisted in this. And this went on for several weeks until finally exasperated and confused, the young pastor asked, why do you insist that I repeat the creed when you know that there are things in it, some phrases in it that I don't believe. And with calm patience, the wise mentor said, because it's not your creed. It is the creed of the church. And when you recite it, you are not directly saying what you believe. You are instead declaring what the church believes, and you are declaring yourself part of that church, whether you believe every point of doctrine or not. We may not all believe the same things, and we may not all be at the same place in our spiritual lives, but together we do join the great cloud of witnesses, the saints of generations past who have wrestled and struggled and asked the question, why? And I think that we need to keep doing that. We're all struggling to ask, why follow Jesus? How can we follow Jesus? And maybe, just maybe, we're all a little bit more like the Athenians than we realize. Because aren't we all trying to follow the one true God? Aren't we all longing to live the why in our life? To have meaning and purpose so that we can be faithful? You know, I'm not asking you to go out into the square in Marietta and be a babbler. But maybe being a babbler isn't such a bad thing after all. May it be so. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.